OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Okay, welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Investor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Poppin, and let's please welcome Lucas Singh Bala from Ascot Properties Family Office as our investor for today. Welcome, Luca. It's a real pleasure having you join us today. Thank you, Jeffrey. I really appreciate you having me. I'm really excited to get through this with you. Likewise, likewise. I know we had the first kick at the can. We had some internet connection issues, and now we're right back at it. And I think today it's going to be brilliant. We're going to pick up from some of that great conversation that uh, we originally kicked off. Well, as you know, the best way we like to start things off is that we want to learn a little bit more about yourself, uh, you know, if you can tie back from your school days, the family office build up, all the great things that you're up to today, love to hear about that. And then if you could share one thing about you that nobody would know. Ooh, that, that last one's a kicker there, but I'll definitely start with the first bit and uh, uh, definitely come along with something along the way. Um, yeah, so I, first of all, I appreciate you having me, Jeffrey, and I look forward to, to really diving into this. Um, and uh, in terms of my background, you know, my family is, uh, you know, we're first generation American. I'm the first one of my family born in America. Um, my father is uh, Indian, grew up in the UK and in India. My mom's Italian American. And we, and, and, and my dad came to this country about 40 years ago and uh, discovered the benefit and discovered the potential of wealth creation in real estate. And what that meant was him eventually you know, building partnerships and building people within his community that he trusted and started co-investing on a lot of deals together. And as the 70s and 80s in New York was an extremely, extremely lucrative time in the real estate space, his timing was impeccable, really was able to build a very strong thesis of, you know, converting rent regulated units to condos. And he's iterated multiple, multiple pieces throughout his day. Um, you know, our office started with that eventually moved to a core side in uh, multifamily in the Lower East Side in Manhattan, uh, Chinatown, Little Italy, all neighborhoods like that. And we eventually shifted to retail where uh, we have a tremendous uh, uh, tenant roster of, you know, internationally accredited tenants, nationally accredited tenants, as well as, you know, regionally accredited tenants. So it's, it's very well mixed. It's very, very heavy in Soho, in Greenwich Village, in uh, uh, Tribeca, and university place, all very high foot traffic neighborhoods, which is something that we really like to see on the retail side. And growing up with that was, a, was an extremely interesting experience. And, and I'm very, very grateful for it. Uh, one being, you know, something that you typically would not have to experience as a kid is uh, uh, going to construction sites, going to property tours for, for as long as you can remember, up, up until your earliest memories. Uh, so you, you really do absorb a lot really subconsciously and it does become ingrained in your DNA. So, so that's one thing that has been really, really exciting uh, uh, to look back at as I'm growing older now. And then something else I think that'd be really interesting to talk about is, um, you know, how it affects what you're, what you're working on as you grow older. And what I mean by that is I was a student athlete at uh, uh, University of Miami. Uh, I ran track and field there and had a tremendous time. And I, I, I had extremely you know, wonderful experience. Now, in that, uh, you learn that how rare the experiences that you have are. 
And what I mean by that is as you're taking real estate courses, as you're getting a business degree, uh, you learn that the knowledge that you've possessed from this upbringing is, you know, is, is far superior than anything you could pick up in school is anything that uh, uh, anybody can teach you in a classroom. And uh, in that experience, uh, I continued to work with the family office, continue to work uh, uh, with dad and continue our journey in the real estate space. And where that's led to now is us actually, I'm sure it's a dime a dozen story in today's world, uh, to leave New York, uh, which is where we have all our roots since coming to America. And uh, actually moving to Miami, Florida. So I'm, I'm on the phone from Miami, Florida. Uh, we're actually in the process right now of thinking about where we want to reallocate our uh, capital. We want to reallocate our assets. And, um, you know, th this is an extremely exciting market. So we're very, very excited to be here and get into it. Um, in terms of one thing that I don't think people would know about me, um, you know, I actually grew up on a you know, it's funny, I went to middle school and high school in New York, but before that, I grew up on a very uh, a small island called St. Martin uh, in the uh, Dutch West Indies. And uh, uh, it was an extremely, extremely incredible experience. My dad actually had a, an opportunity to develop a resort there called Coral Beach Club. And when we went through that process, again, going to construction sites, going to, um, you know, project sites, and I think seeing that in another country, uh, let alone one in the Caribbean, which is you know, and St. Martin's one of, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful places on earth, uh, really, really does help mold you as a person. So I would like to say that's something I don't think a lot of people know about me. Well, that's incredible. And the story is incredible as well. And, and I'm excited to kind of unpack a little bit about that background, because as you mentioned, it really helped you become who you are today and the things that you're doing. So maybe we can go a little bit back to that experience, because this, the experience that you're taking as a young, young person, uh, you know, you're in school, you're doing all those great things, but going on a job site, learning this entrepreneurial side of business, uh, being able to dive into a construction site and understand what your family's building and then the tenants that are in there and how you're operating it. Can you give a little bit more perspective of what that teenage years were were like for you? Because I think hands down, that's, you know, my first job was working at McDonald's at 13. Your first job is walking through job sites. It's a big difference. Don't get me wrong. I worked as a bricklayer and did all those things, but I was more of the hustler than I was those pieces as I got older. But there is such a true value that you gain from that experience. And when you were in there learning the different ropes of how these things were being done, you were getting experiences from your father and he's teaching you intrinsically through all of these types of uh, things that you see. Maybe share a few of those elements of what really stood out for you, the, the memories that you have on what really drove you to become an entrepreneur and, and to jump into this family office as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll definitely say first things first. It, it definitely wasn't uh, uh, all walkthroughs in a suit and tie through the job sites. Very, very often I was uh, uh, partnered or was an apprentice to uh, uh, one of the guys working the site and uh, very much had to be doing a brick layer type job as well. So, uh, and again, I think that's extremely valuable because you're never going to thoroughly understand every single element of the deal, unless you can even get down as granular as how you lay your bricks. Um, now, uh, growing up with that though, I will say that uh, you know, my teenage years and my high school years, especially uh, that I was in New York, were, were very, very rigorous, right? I was, I was an athlete. I was, um, you know, trained to be an all-American track and field athlete. Um, so 
I went to school and went to high school in financial district in New York. Uh, and lucky enough, just by chance, it was two blocks away from my dad's office on Trinity place. And, uh, and my office is on, my school was on Morris street and I would walk from school every day, right when school ended, uh, spend about an hour or so in my dad's office, uh, just understood everything. And, uh, um, uh, he would tell me what his day was, how his day was. We caught up. Uh, it, was, it was a really great experience. And sometimes I'd, had something, I'd have something to eat. We would chat over a bite to eat. Um, and he would just tell me about what he's working on, what his deals are, what uh, is keeping him up at night sometimes. Because uh, it's not always the best, right? You know, you, you can't just talk about all the uh, uh, sunshines and roses. You really do have to talk about, uh, you know, some of the ugly parts as well. And I think um, and I give credit to my dad for being able to, uh, you know, disclose that with me as well. You know, that's not always an easy thing to do. And uh, in, in hearing those conversations, it was, it was a great learning experience. And then from there, I would actually get on the train um, to 215th Street to uh, uh, Columbia's track and field facilities so that I'd be able to train there with, with my club team. Uh, so I wound up not getting home until, you know, 11 o'clock at night, eating dinner then. Uh, getting back up, going to school and repeating. So it was a pretty packed experience to, to say the least. Ah, that's awesome. And oddly enough, you're, you're using terminology that fits as a startup would and the understanding and things that people would go through. So, you know, even when you're spending that hour and your dad's explaining what he's going through and the problems that he's having and that he's opening them up to you, this is the same medicine that every entrepreneur needs and they need that. And it's amazing that he took the time to do that with you because now when you look back at it, you know, you can give that, share that advice to other entrepreneurs that how much it really does help to be able to share what you're going through from a mental standpoint, from a, a building your business. It's having someone listen. It doesn't matter what age they are or where they come from. It's if that person had an interest in what you were doing. And I think that those things really do provide a huge amount of value. And I'm sure your father would talk about that today on how much it helped uh, him as a founder in business. And I think you mentioned before as well that your father had a had a business partner. Uh, they built out a lot of everything that they did and that you got to learn a lot from them. So maybe you can share a little bit about that because I think that co-founder mentality and being able to be part of that community really also shapes the direction of any entrepreneur and, and how they're able to balance out what they're trying to achieve in their goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of launching my own uh, uh, platform right now and launching my own uh, company itself. And I have to tell you, you know, um, it's very, very important to bring on that co-founder and to bring on that person that you can lean on and trust, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, no, no matter what anybody wants to tell you, you're always going to have gaps in your resume. You're always going to have gaps in your knowledge. You're, there's always going to be things for you to learn. And I think that's very tough for a lot of people's egos to handle. Um, and uh, I think it's across the board, frankly. And uh, so in my father's case and, and, and you know, my dad's uh, partner in, in his case was when he was doing uh, multifamily. Multifamily is a very, very difficult asset to manage. Um, not only is it difficult to underwrite and do on the business side and to, to, to formulate a good deal, but it's also very difficult to, to manage the asset. How are you going to deal with, you know, hundreds of tenants who, especially multifamily, who, you know, may have issues with, in their bathroom in the middle of the night, who may have, you know, very, very time sensitive issues. Um, you know, that's, that's not like a commercial retail space where uh, you can let that, you know, worry about the morning. 
Uh, you know, that, that can be a tomorrow problem or, or something else. Um, you know, multifamily is a very, very hands-on uh, uh, experience, operationally speaking. So my dad's partner was actually a, uh, a managing agent in New York. And he was an Italian-American fellow and, and an amazing man. Uh, and it was actually extremely unfortunate. He passed away of pancreatic cancer, um, uh, you know, pretty at a pretty young age. I, I don't think he was uh, even in his 60s yet. And, um, you know, we were very close family friends and he was my father's best friend, most likely. And uh, I say that in, you know, also meaning that your co-founder should really be a good friend, should really be somebody that that you have a lot of love for as a person. And I think that's what, ultimately gave my dad so, you know, so many tailwinds in his success. Um, so uh, he passed away of pancreatic cancer. And, and unfortunately, that's a big reason as to why we shifted into retail. Uh, because thankfully, at that point, my dad had enough experience and uh, uh, skill and expertise to construct, source and vet his own deals. Um, but unfortunately, just uh, being able to manage hundreds of tenants uh, that are multifamily tenants is, is still something in it that was a gap in his portfolio and his resume. So that's another big reason why I moved to retail. Uh, we're able to now manage. Um, we have about uh, 20 retail properties in New York, and that equates to maybe 20 to 23 tenants, as opposed to owning 20 pieces of multifamily where that could potentially be a thousand tenants. So uh, from a management perspective, it's a lot easier for, for us to collect one check as opposed to a hundred from, from one asset. And again, these are all things that you learned in that business process. Uh, and you learned a lot from that partnership. Your father learned a lot from it. Uh, and uh, again, sorry for that. Uh, it's obviously tough to go through, but at the same time, that learning helped you pivot and helped you change in that environment. And, you know, you talked about last time, uh, how a lot of what, you're, you've done as a family office is very communicative. There's a lot of strength in the communications, in putting together partnerships and being close to partners, as you mentioned, with a co-founder, finding someone that really ties in tightly. And this is really uh, the impetus of a lot of VCs and how they invest. A lot of family offices look for specifically investing in co-founders. And then you're going a little bit step further, which is expanding into the whole communication side and how you communicate, how you both start to build up that repertoire of knowledge in all of these areas. And it sounded like from the experience that you gained from your father and his co-founder and, and best friend that there was a lot of learnings. You got a lot from the, the communication side and how they worked and operated and how they balanced each other out to kind of move and drive that business forward. And that's what it ultimately drove a lot of success and where you seem to be able to jump in and kind of pick up the ball as well and, and working on that angle and now moving to Miami and and kind of being that outreach arm and figuring out something new. I think communication skills got to be pretty damn good in your repertoire because just to show up in another uh, state and say, hey, I'm going to take care of business, you've got to be able to figure out how to communicate and get around and network. And I think that's got to be pretty important in uh, what you've been able to construct over the years as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, because, you know, a lot of people tend to forget in family offices, um, you know, I'm, I'm for, for, for better and for worse, frankly, um, your family are your partners. And that's a very, very difficult situation to navigate. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's the very strong few that are able to navigate that, that very complicated relationship correctly. Uh, and I do give my dad credit for being able to steer that in the right direction. 
Now, in moving to Miami, I will give the city of Miami tremendous credit at the moment for being able to attract so many interesting people from so many different places. I mean, the network that I've created in Miami is 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 in the span of I you know I lived in New York, for, you know last year I moved back to New York uh, after living in Miami for a few years after graduating from University of Miami. Uh, I moved back to New York in about uh, summer of 2021. It was 2020, sorry. July of 2020, I moved back to New York for about a year. And I was living in Miami part-time because we heard all this tremendous, tremendous uh, news about you know the environment that was happening. And, and frankly, all the things that were wrong with Miami started to turn around. And we started to see Miami create this massive 180-degree shift. And we realized that you know it's maybe worth keeping a pulse on things and, and keeping a tab on where the city's headed. And uh, I was living in Miami part-time and I actually just moved back uh, here again uh, eight months ago. And it's frankly one of the best decisions I could have made in my professional career. And I think the whole family is on board with that as well. My parents are moving down here. I'm moving down here. Um, we have actually just acquired an office space in Brickell. We've informed our team to move down here. And, um, you know, thankfully it was a very, very easy sell for our team. Not a single person was worried about, uh, uh, moving down to Miami and, uh, bringing their families down to the sunshine and, uh, seeing the quality of life that was here. And in terms of networking and, and, and who you were meeting here, um, yeah, of course, communication and being able to network and be sociable and be a, uh, and frankly, for me, I'm, I'm quite a bit of an introvert. So being able to socialize and everything is not necessarily always the easiest thing. But what I will say is um, it's a lot easier in this city because unlike New York, unlike L.A., unlike Chicago, um, uh, there's a huge, huge influx of people from all over the country here. And frankly, all over the world. Uh, Miami F1 just happened last, uh, this weekend. And I was meeting from groups in, from London. I was meeting with groups uh, from from the Middle East, I was meeting with groups from uh, different parts of the country of this country, and that's of course a rare occurrence. That's only once a year now, but even throughout that, I have a huge, huge network of people that have moved here from other cities, and all with the same issues. Meaning that they've all just moved down to a city that where they know nobody, and they want to collaborate and they want to create friends and relationships and meaningful relationships because nobody's going to move back to where they came from after coming here. So everybody's intention is to really create long-term and meaningful relationships. And, and thankfully that's an extremely easy environment to start growing a new business here. Well, it certainly makes a big difference and being able to find the right connections in is going to be helpful. And I know startups go through this pretty much on a, a uh, a daily basis, which is how am I getting in front of the right people? How do I front, get in front of the right investors? How do I look at that as being an opportunity? Where can I go to connect with those people? And, you know, I kind of want to dive more into the, the family office side because it's not very often that, uh, you know, family offices are talked a lot about these days, uh, but getting the opportunity to actually talk with someone that has been part of a family office for a long time and then how you guys operate, what types of things you look for, how do you get people get in touch with you? There are a lot of those. They're a little bit different. VCs have different ways of getting access. Angels, they have a different way. But I find family offices are very focused. They have, this is one thing that we do, and this is what we do well, and we stick to that, and that's it. So maybe you can chat a little bit about that dynamics of that family office and what really brings the meat and potatoes to the whole value of proper opportunity and then how to startups connect into that space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think I think just to start this, there is uh, an expression 
um, that I heard recently say, you know, you've seen one family office, you've seen one family office. Um, you know, everybody likes to create this massive umbrella term called the family office, but all that really means is, is a family that has uh, seen a lot of success in, in their years and uh, regardless of the generation, you know, it could be first, it could be seventh. Um, so I do want, I would like to start with that, but I could definitely speak to our experiences and my experience, uh, uh, being part of Ascot. Um, I think the first thing, as you mentioned, uh, is being, you know, sticking to what, you know, and being able to stick to your guns in that sense. Um, and that is definitely something that we do. We are very bullish on real estate. We, we, we've seen it, you know, we hear a lot of criticism of it having suppressed returns. Uh, frankly, we disagree. Uh, we've seen, you know, my father's a perfect example of somebody who's seen uh, a vast amount of wealth creation in this asset class. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what asset you're in. I think if you just do it well, you'll, you'll, you'll see a lot of success. But um, so we like to really invest in real estate. And that's what we're looking to do now in Miami. Uh, we're going to be uh, probably selling some assets in New York, if not all of them. And look to really do a shift in uh, uh, Miami, the rest of Florida, and the Sunbelt states. We see a lot of growth there. I think the real estate market is uh, going to be growing there for a long time for a lot of external reasons. Um, so that's you know that's what we like to do there. We have venture exposure. We've invested in uh, some startups. We've invested in as LPs in some venture funds. It's not uh, you know it's not big compared to. Our real estate, I'd like to say real estate is still, you know, somewhere between 80 to, you know, 75 to 85% of our portfolio. Um, so it is a large, large chunk. So we, but what I think the second pillar of how we like to operate, um, you know, ties into what I mentioned about the venture is, is really trust, you know, and, and, and your relationships, you know, for us, if we see a situation where we're the right capital, where you know, we really do bring value to the table and the deal is coming from somebody who we trust and we know that isn't going to lead us in the wrong direction, uh, then it's worth doing for us because, um, you know, I think uh, a very common issue for family offices is being is being able to identify who you can trust, you know, uh, um, you know, the real ugly side of it. And, and I hate to really allude to this is uh, there are people who are going to be reaching out to either myself or my dad um, with nefarious intentions. And that is something that um, you can you can be naive and kid yourself all day, but that's really the reality of it. Um, and uh, you know, I I know people who have been my dad, who have known dad for years and years, who um, you know don't really have the best you know his best interests at heart. Um, and I think uh, uh, it's very difficult for somebody to be able to admit to that. But and uh, and. And that being said, we've been able to navigate that pretty well. I feel like uh, we've been able to filter out a lot of those guys and really create a small circle, but those of who we really, really feel like we can meet on. I love it. And the last time we chatted, you uh, and just like you did now, you you, you have some really good lines that uh, I, I write down because the you, you quote them just perfect. And, and one of the lines you mentioned last time was, uh, network is a support system and you need a tribe. And I think you were just alluding to all of that. And it really sticks to that very well on, on what you were sharing. And, and I think the other one that uh, really popped out is, um, and this is going into the earlier conversation was, you know, who are you leaning on? And uh, I think that also, again, comes to a very big impact on the conversation that we had this time and last time, roping that all together is really kind of defining those 
the successes that you and the family office and your father have had because of how you've networked, how you work with other people. And then the last line that just kind of summarized all of this conversation right up right now is um, do it well and see success. And the reason I use that as the, the wrap up to all this is because I think then when you do understand focus and you're driving your business into the right direction and you stay focused, one problem, one solution and keep driving it forward, that you're exactly correct that you, if you do it well, or the best, you will see success. And I think that's very tough for people because they want to do everything and that everything wears you down and it eats up value in dollars and time, but do one thing great and you'll start to see the success from it. And you guys have obviously proven that by building a, a successful family office. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, like I mentioned, I was a track and field athlete. Um, when uh, I, I, I did my freshman year at Texas A&M and I really, really had the tremendous pleasure of being able to work with uh, one of, in my opinion, the greatest track and field coaches of all time. And, and if regardless, just a tremendous man uh, whose name was Vince Anderson. And um, he would always tell me, he said, don't worry about how I was a sprinter. So running fast is very much a priority for me. He said, don't worry about running fast, man. Uh, just do the race well run the race well, do what you have to do correctly and everything will fall into place. And I, and I genuinely do feel that. And um, even when you listen, even when you are going to diversify, which every family office has to do at some point, it's, it is inevitable. Um, how do you do that in a, in a, in a methodical, you know, well planned out way. And I think that's really the catch, right? How do you focus on one step at a time going back to being a bricklayer, how do you put everything down one brick at a time? You know, don't think about the greatest wall you could potentially put together. Think about laying that one brick down as well as humanly possible. And when you've done that for, you know, 20, 30 years, and as, as I think a lot of people can, can show, uh, it, it, pay, it pays off tremendously. I love it. Luca, well said, well shared. And uh, we're going to transition a little bit now into... Uh, the story or a use case that you can share about an experience you've gone through or with a founder, she or he, and what they've accomplished and to kind of show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And maybe you can share a, a story or, uh, that really kind of refines what that takes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for, for, for us on the venture side, you know, we, we've done, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be candid. We did a few directs, um, many years ago. Um, and again, going back to your network and people you could trust, uh, 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 we've done a couple deals, um, not all of our portfolio, but definitely a couple that were brought from people that we shouldn't have trusted who I certainly, uh, uh, wouldn't say I trust today. And, uh, everybody has those bad experiences. And I think it's fair to admit that. And it's, and it's uh, okay to admit that. So, uh, right now, what we like to do, we do like to lean on, and this is going back to the point of leaning on people who we trust. And a lot of those people who we trust are founders themselves. Um, and we've done a lot of SPVs with uh, founders and friends of ours who have founded companies, uh, gone through the experience of raising capital, of operating a company, of building a team, and spending time with founders, uh, really understanding their process and business plans. And then after they've helped for so many years, um, invested and created allocation via SPV into those companies. And uh, we really like that model because um, I think something that um, a lot of people tend to forget when looking at a business is the team, is the founder. 
Um, right. And it's, and not just how skilled you are. That's a very umbrella way of looking at it. Um, I think you really do have to get granular when you look at the person, you know, what are, what are their habits in terms of recruiting? What are their uh, uh, processes internally? Um, and, and these real granular details are just frankly something myself and my father don't have experience in. So, um, we do like to lean on those guys and, and, and we take the word of those people who come to us, um, that we've known for many, many years and have brought us into good deals, uh, who say, you know, for us, we like to look at the founder for, for X and X reasons. Um, and I think, and with that all being said, um, you don't always have to pick the, uh, uh, you don't always have to start the deal yourself. Sometimes you just have to pick the right guy who brings it to you. And, uh, um, I think as an entrepreneur, that's something that you have to do as well. I like it. Uh, relationships are, are super important. And if you can build out long-term relations, you, you know that in some point in time, they're going to, you know, bring some value on both sides and there's uh, ways to help each other out. And I think, uh, it, it's well shared that it's key to anything you're going to do from investments or even from, uh, just being able to build out your company is finding the right people and build those relations. So uh, again, well shared. All right, we're gonna jump into rapid fire questions. So the way Crazy. it works, pick one or the other, you're coming in from the investor standpoint and then there'll be personal questions and then you can choose uh, A or B in that sense as well. So ready to go? Let's do it, I'm looking forward to it. All right. So as a, as an investor, would you rather be investing in a founder or co-founder? Co-founder. Unicorn or a four-year 10x X exit? You know, that, that, that one I'd say is situational. That, that's going to rely on a lot of things. That's going to rely on your market. That's going to rely on your team. Ooh, um, I'll take the four-year the four 4 10x. Perfect. Tech or CPG? Tech. Tech. Tech is the future without question. NFTs or Web 3.0? Web 3.0. AI or blockchain? Man, you said these are rapid fire. I didn't realize these are going to be some uh, uh, tough ones. Um, I'll take, uh, I think, artificial intelligence. First time founder or second or third time founder? Um, second or third. First money in or Series A? Series A. Angel or VC? Angel. Board of board seat or observer? Observer. Safe or convertible note? C note. Lead or follow? Follow. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Favorite part of investing? Oof. The people. You get to meet all, all kinds of people and uh from all different parts of the world, doing all sorts of things. Uh, you, if, if, if you invest correctly, you'll meet people from every single industry you could possibly think of, people by far. Love it. Number of companies invested per year? Uh, two. Okay. Any specific preferred terms? Uh, no, no, frankly, it's, 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 it's all situational. It's all opportunistic, depends on the structure of the round, depends on the lead, it depends on the market, um, a lot of things, a lot of external factors. And verticals of focus or areas of interest that you like? Yeah, um, 
fintech for sure uh and edtech fin- fintech okay. and edtech for sure okay two qualities a startup needs in order to stand out to you Ooh, um definitely the founder needs 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 to have experience in space um it has to be somebody that has identified the problem via being involved in that in that vertical I think that's crucial. And then another one I would say is the market. You know, it has, to, there, there really does have to be a, a large enough TAM for, for it to be feasible and for it to be scalable. Like it. All right. We're going to dive into the personal questions. Love it. Book or movie? Movie. Superman or Batman? Ooh, Superman. Restaurant or picnic? I'll say picnic. Depends on where the picnic is. Nice. All right. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Oh, Bezos. Uh, mountain or beach? Hey, man, I told you I grew up in the Caribbean, so beach, no question. Bike or run? I'm going to guess run. <laughs> You're very much correct. <laughs> I'll take running for 200, Bob. All right. Big Mac <laughs> or Chicken McNuggets? Oh, uh, I'll take the McNuggets. All right, trophy or money? Uh, trophy. Beer or wine? Uh, unfortunately, I like to drink both. Um, I'll say beer. Okay, camera or mobile phone? Uh, mobile phone. King or rich? Rich. Concert or amusement park? Concert. Fortune cookie or birthday cake? Uh, fortune cookie. TED talk or book reading? TED Talk. Like it. All right. Most famous person that pops in your mind? Elon Musk. Favorite movie and character you'd play? Ooh. Um, I would say one of my favorite movies ever or just franchises is Star Wars. I'm very nerdy that way. Um, and uh, Anakin Skywalker and or Darth Vader, I think, are just tremendous characters. Perfect. Big fan. I like it. Favorite book? Ooh, um, Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray? Yeah. All right, I'm going to look it up. Favorite sports team? Manchester United. Arsenal? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't talk to me about them this year. I I, I even hesitated after United's uh, performance this season. Yep, I would too. Arsenal's done very, done very well. They've uh, they've been able to get out of that fifth and sixth spot, so they're moving up. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Favorite put together with Agreed, agreed. First brand that pops in your mind? Adidas. Nice. The favorite app you're using on your mobile phone? Ooh, uh, I have to say Instagram. All right, all right. What is the meaning of success to you? The meaning of success to me is watching your watching progression in as many areas of your life as possible. Success can be in your family. Success can be in the business. Um, but ideally, you see success in your personal life and your business life. And that's true success, in my opinion. I like it. I like it. What is your superpower? Ooh, I'd say reading people. A good, good uh, superpower to have. 
And uh, I would also add in that I also think that you carry a, a very strong uh, demeanor on getting collaboration and working with others and getting people uh, uh, into what they need to do to move things forward. So actionable and making things happen. And maybe that's the running that helps you do that. But either way, it seems like you've got a pretty good way of getting people to uh, get on board and move forward. Well, that means a lot, Jeffrey. I, I, I very much appreciate the praise. I like it. Well, Luca, it's been a pleasure to get to talk with you multiple times, of course, uh, and continue on that relationship side. Big fan. Uh, thank you again for sharing and diving into everything that you guys have accomplished and all the things you're going to be working on going forward. Uh, but you have some great lines. We've quoted them. Very exciting. You have that pure entrepreneur growth, and now you're working on your own stuff. But the way we like to end our show is we like to give you the last word. So thank you again, Luca, for joining us. No, thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeffrey. I think the uh, uh, I think the last words on my part would just be, you know, um, I think the most important thing is a giving up your ego, allowing yourself to lean on others, uh, and being honest with yourself in that regard, and really trusting the right people and really creating that tribe. And and, and I think especially at a young age, people that you can lean on for a very very long time is the most valuable asset you can ever have. As, as yes, cheesy sir. and corny as it sounds, but it's the God's honest truth. Uh, people make a big difference, and uh, it's amazing that you're seeing that and sharing it. So, again, Luca, thank you for all your time and, and sharing, and uh, we look forward to uh, chatting again soon. Absolutely, Jeffrey. I'm looking forward to it. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, that was a, a great conversation with Luca. Really enjoyed a lot of uh, the sayings, of course, when he talks about networking, communicating, uh, how the family office structure works and how they kind of built all of that out. And I think it's really important for founders to realize that even when you're building a company, you really have to tie yourself in and connect with the people around you. It's going to make a big difference on helping you work through problems, solving things and moving forward. And he really emphasized that quite a bit. And I think that that really does make a big difference in a journey is the people that you can lean on and that you can trust uh, inside or outside your family, it's going to make a big difference. Relationships are really important and uh, you're going to find that out as you continue to build forward. And some will be in the spot that aren't great and you're going to have to learn through that. And, you know, I think as Luca said, one of his, um, his superpowers is understanding and reading people. And I, I think that um, a lot of investors have that same superpower. So I think over time, maybe investors go through a lot of uh, things on building companies. And then when they start to invest, uh, they have to relate to a lot of people so they learn quickly. And as Luca has, you, you learn through a lot of that and figure out how to expose problems and then work through them. So uh, do it well and you'll see success. So focus and go after. And I think that's uh, really a strong point to be uh, to be heard. Uh, so thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please feel free to share with your friends or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or Stitcher. Your support and comments are truly appreciated. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for startup events, visit openpeoplenetwork.com. Thank you and have a fantastic day.